0: You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast.
1: Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. We'll ah, win.
0: It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Your home for all things Alabama basketball. That will do it. Alabama all-time and all the time. And the Crimson Tide are the SEC regular season champions. Now here are your hosts, Blake Byler. Animals are like, I don't know if that like
1: like <laughs> resonates with you, but like you always see tigers in like, like on pictures and like on TV, but when you like see a tiger in front of you, it's like, what am I looking at?
0: Matthew Gibson.
1: You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn
0: fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle.
1: At some point,
0: somebody's got to take a stand. It's like, hey man, the Capitol's that way. Chill out. <laughs> No! Stop it! <laughs> Enjoy the show.
1: All right, welcome in to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast Season 3, Episode 10, I believe. Uh, we're back after a, a decently long hiatus. I feel like we've had long hiatus multiple times since, uh, this season. But it's been a kind of a crazy last couple of weeks i started working full-time uh we so i've been gone at like the rose bowl and then like nick saban retired we were gonna have an episode last week then that happened uh so we're back i'm blake byler here as always with matthew gibson and jacob pickle and we're here to talk about some alabama basketball uh alabama has started sec play 4-0 uh they beat missouri last night they started sec play beating vanderbilt then they beat south carolina as well as Mississippi state. We're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about last night's game. We're going to talk about a lot of our thoughts because we really haven't um, gotten to talk about them on here over the past couple of months as Alabama, I think has improved drastically. Uh, We're also going to talk about a little bit of the future big game coming up this weekend, as well as midweek next week. So we'll get into all that, but just to start, let's talk about the Missouri game last night, Matthew. I will start with you. Uh, biggest takeaway let's just jump right into it what, what did you take away most from uh the Missouri game last night
2: uh Rylan Griffin <laughs> 21 point yeah. I, mean, I mean like yeah. Rylan's improvement from the beginning of the season to now has been really impressive um I've just been really uh, impressed overall with one uh him on the defensive end he looks a lot better he's locked in uh and two just how comfortable he is within the offense now he, he looks like an entirely different player Is um he had a couple uh, step back threes there is his athleticism is popping off the charts again um that's been my biggest takeaway from last night was just how good rylan griffin looks at the moment um he's coming into his own he's probably at some point could probably find himself back on draft boards he keeps playing like this he's he's been fantastic over the last couple weeks
1: jacob
0: yeah i um I mean, golly, what golly, what a game last night. I, I think that was – uh, it, it was very kind of, of the team to play a close one for a good bit of the game to really get the, the whole crowd into it and make the crowd realize they can have an impact. Uh, so it was very, very kind of the team to do that. But, no, I, I thought it was a, a great battle. Uh, I, I think Missouri – a takeaway that I, I was kind of left with, and it, like you said this as well, was how are they 0-4? Like, I, I – Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like I – their front court is pretty suspect outside of Bates. I mean, like Vanover. Um, he's I not mean, good. He doesn't play that much. Like, he and yeah, He's just not good. Like they they just have such a weird team um, in the front court. But like their guards are solid. Like Nick Honor very good. Uh, Bates was still solid. Some of the guards. Sean East is really solid too. Like I, I don't know. I, I was just intrigued. So I I thought that was a a much like I I went in disrespecting Missouri and expecting uh, a little bit more of a, the gap that we ended up seeing in the end. Uh, but after that, it's like a, that's a quality quality win at home. Uh, like it's just a, a tough opponent that's not going to show up high in the net or <clears throat> any other resume rankings. But, I mean, they play hard. Like, they that team is hard to beat, um, and they made a lot of shots. Like they, I don't think they missed a field goal until like the under-12 timeout pretty much. Uh, And our guys were ready for the challenge again. I mean, like, the the mental toughness from the Purdue-Creighton-Arizona stretch is very real. Like, that has been Mm -hmm. evident. It was evident Saturday at Mississippi State. It was evident yesterday when uh, you just couldn't quite pull away from Missouri. The the team just kept on fighting. Um, And, two, did it in a large part down the stretch without Mark Sears. Uh, I I know he went off with injury, but I think he's going to be completely fine, just needed some rest. But even then, it's like – Ryland Reitzel and Estrada were cooking, and there was no reason to mess that up. And they were they were playing excellent. Um, and, and you had a Grant and a rotating cast at four uh, between Sam and DiBate. Uh, so, I mean, I was I was just thoroughly Jaren, of course, thoroughly impressed with uh, the mental fortitude that it took to, to come away with. It ended up being an eighteen point win last night, said so
1: Yeah, I I agree that I don't really know. Based on what we saw last night, it doesn't feel like Missouri should be 0-4 in league play, or even 8. They're 8-9 overall. And they've lost – I mean, they lost to Jackson State in non-con, but that was their only, like, bad loss. They lost to Kansas, Seton Hall, and Illinois on a three-game run in December, uh, which all those are pretty decent teams. But then they've started off SEC play with losses to Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, and now Alabama. And they just, like – they have dudes that can get buckets. Like they have they have a good – their offensive efficiency number isn't good, but I think they have good offensive players. Um, their defense also not great, and it also wasn't great last year. So that's not necessarily surprising. Um, but the way they played – like they played with a chip on their shoulder last night. I thought Alabama did as well. It became a fairly chippy game. Um, but I think that – like they – it feels like they should be better than they are. And I agree with what you said about how it like the, the mental fortitude it took to be able to overcome that, and really in a second straight game now. Because you look at on Saturday, Alabama went into the hump and beat Mississippi State, and that was an incredibly physical game. And I think about a month ago, a month and a half ago, um, in November, those were the kind of games that were – Giving Alabama problems. I mean, Ohio State was pretty physical. Clemson was incredibly physical in Coleman and was able to beat Alabama. And so I think those the the things that was were Alabama's downfall in some of those games. They're now kind of thriving in, and they're now thriving in some of those moments. And that's thanks in in large part to the schedule that Nate Oates put together. That three game run in December against Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona, where they learned a lot about how to play games like that. And I think that has been one of the major reasons that they've started 4 0 in SEC play.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, those types of games where you need a lot of mental strength when you're like, when you're the natural ability and just being a better basketball team doesn't quite cut it. In, in years past, those have been like, I mean, you can you know the few notable games the last few years where that's come into play. Um, uh, so seeing that rise up again back to back games, and uh, even at Vanderbilt, a little I'd say somewhat different because that was more just kind of being silly and making a lot of dumb mistakes. Uh, but like those, the schedule provided value, and the sky wasn't falling at six and five or seven and five. Right. Like, everybody wanted it to be, and, like, half the fans on Twitter wanted it to be. Um, so, shocker, your basketball team is not buried in December. <laughs> this, this and more, the sky is blue, fire hot at, at 6 p.m. tonight on the news. Um, so, I I mean, you're going to need that mental strength going into Saturday in, in the Food City Center.
1: Is that what it's called now? I knew they changed the name. It's the Food City Center? And not Thompson Bowling Arena, which is an awesome name. <laughs> they sold out their like historic naming rights for the Food City, Food City. Center. That's really bad. That is, that's pretty tough. Like Auburn changing from Auburn Arena to Neville, like was like weird because Auburn Arena just made too much sense for them. But this is way worse. This is worse. A, this is much worse. Uh, another player I want to bring up. Um, we mentioned Rylan Griffin a little bit, and obviously his potential is sky high. And we've seen his capabilities on the defensive end. Oates has been very uh, forthcoming about how he is the best defensive, perimeter defensive player on the team. Um, somebody else that had, I thought, a really good game was Grant Nelson. And I think he's improved a lot over the past uh, two weeks or so. Um, Matthew, what did you see from Nelson, and where have you seen him kind of improve over the past uh, month of the season?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, for Nelson, uh, people forget he's also been banged up a lot. He's had, you know, a foot-ankle foot, and foot ankle injury. And, um, look, for me, it's just about comfortability in that offense and um, really just healing up. Uh, he had, what, 13 against Missouri, uh, now against Mississippi State. What I like about him right now is not necessarily – the things that he's bringing on the offensive end but some of the defensive effort that he's giving he looks a lot better um and in terms it's like the little things too for grant whether that be hustle plays where he's diving on the floor getting a ball um or dishing it out to a teammate uh, i've been really impressed with grant's ability to just um not necessarily have to be the star at every moment like he was at uh south dakota state but he's, he's okay to be passive and Uh, give the ball to Aaron or Mark or whoever it may be uh, when it, when the time comes. And I, I just, I think Grant's really coming into his own in that sense. Um, He's learning how to play his particular role in NATO's offense and defense. And um, for him, again, it's just been about comfortability and healing up. And I think uh, as SEC play continues to go along, um, I think we'll see Grant, you know, get even better on the offensive end. Um, because Alvin really does just have that three-headed monster. And if guys like Lyle Griffin keep playing at this level, um, that offense is going to be as scary as it is, it, like it, like it has been the rest of the year. I mean, was Alvin still, what, number one in Kim Palmer offense right now? Oh, I yeah.
1: believe. By a long yeah. shot. It's yeah, like, like not shot. even close.
2: Yeah, and Grant's, Grant's a big part of that. He's smart. Um, and he, he's gotten better the last couple of weeks. He, he struggled uh, there for a little bit Had that stretch of games where – Um, couldn't get anything going offensively and looked lost in defensive end, but he's really tightened a lot of that up.
1: Yeah, I think with Nelson, fans need to recalibrate their expectations a little bit because going into the season, I think he was like preseason first team all SEC, and then the first game against Morehead State, he has like the big dunk and has 25 points or whatever, and then it's like, oh, this is like the best player on the team. Um, He's not. He, that is very clearly Mark Sears. I don't even know if Grant Nelson is the second best player on the team, Uh, but he has a role that he can fill. Um, you look on the season, he's averaging 12 and a half point, six rebounds. Like he's not going to be the 20 point a game guy that like maybe fans expected or thought he could be after watching his North Dakota state highlight reel or whatever. Um, But he can be a very solid player that does what Alabama needs him to be. I thought last night against Missouri, he did what Alabama needed him to do. He got rebounds. I think he – how many rebounds did he have last night? Eight rebounds. He's had eight rebounds and nine rebounds the past two games. Uh, He was on the offensive glass a couple times. He played hard. He started defending really well in the paint. Um, He was efficient from the floor for the first time in – a while. I think it was four for six shooting, made all of his free throws, made his one three point attempt. Like that is the kind of game that Grant Nelson needs to play for Alabama to be really successful. He doesn't need to be shooting 16 threes like he did against, uh, who was it, Arizona? Yeah, like that, that's not what he needs to be doing. And I think. In an offense that's so free-flowing and also has so many guys that can score, Nelson is a very unique player in that he's 6'11", but he's not a traditional big. And so it takes a little bit of time, I think, for him to adjust to playing that role in this system that is very different from what he's used to playing. And I think he's learning that, and I think he's getting better um, at that over the course of these last few games. I mean, he had the scoring... uh, the scoring slump um, against like he only had nine against Vandy. He didn't score against South Carolina, um, but the the thirteen and eight uh, two blocks he has five or let me look at this right here. He has at least two blocks in four of Alabama's last five games. So, and before that he had gone one two three four. He had gone four straight games without a block, and so that just shows that he is taking more pride on the defensive end and the offense is come he's slowly getting more comfortable and so as you evaluate Grant Nelson I don't think you should evaluate him on the basis of your preseason expectations because you've now seen the low point of how he's going to play this year and I think improvement from that is a positive rather than just detracting based off what you thought he maybe could be because now we kind of know what he is if you know what I mean
2: yeah, no, and I think for him, some of the expectations were maybe unnecessarily placed upon him, and Oates even talked about it himself, where he said, uh, you know, if we can't get Grant as a first-round pick, then it's a colossal failure, whatever that quote was from him, and that's just simply not going to yeah, be Yeah, you can't say stuff like that. But <laughs> one of the things I'd like to grant, too, is uh on the offensive end, he's getting rebounds. Alabama as a team is getting offensive boards. We've talked about uh, Muhammad Diabate a little bit in the past, and uh against South Carolina. He had, what, four, I think, offensive boards there uh, versus the, the Gamecocks. And with Grant, like, Alabama's just getting in really good position on offense. And that's something – another thing I wanted to talk about was just how well they're crashing glass right now. I think versus Missouri, they out-rebounded them uh, on the O-board, 6-1 to one in the first half there. Missouri's a pretty lengthy team, too, and I think um, – that's just allowing Alabama to have, again, that free-flowing offense, get kick out, make a chance points. points. Um, and Grant has been a massive part of that.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, I think that's a great point about Grant. I think he had one or two putbacks yesterday and maybe um, <clears throat> just, like, straight off of missed threes that he just took and got home. And then I think he missed missed one of those, and then Pringle got the putback dunk or lay in from there. So, I, you know, it's, like he's doing he is grinding right now like he's missing every fairway and missing every green and somehow making par or chipping in like he is doing his part um i was happy to see his one three that he took yesterday go in i think that was huge for his confidence um yeah and really that's all it is is just like he's just got to get settled back in offensively because defensively i mean dude is locked in right like there there'll be times where he might like miss an assignment let somebody go back to war things like that but like around the rim like he is being active and strong um and that is something this team absolutely needs and even from a scoring perspective like with the guards going as well as they are right now like between sears estrada and rylan alone from your starting three like you're getting roughly like 50 55 points a game from them just the three of them right and then that doesn't even count trelly coming in let's uh coming to pop in and and you just work it around, it's like the burden is not on Grant. Uh, And for a little while, it really was. And I think a lot of that was with Estrada's downturn. um, And Ryland had a few games where the shots just weren't falling as well for him down that same stretch. So it's kind of like the guards are carrying the scoring load and taking such like so much of the gravity of the defense that Nelson gets open sometimes uh, because you have to commit to either leaving Mark Sears, a near 50% three-point shooter open, or... Rylan and Estrada, who are both close to 40%, uh, or leaving Nelson open and it's kind of guarding off him. And teams are choosing to guard off Nelson more and more. So it's kind of a pivot of like, it's really, really hard to guard everybody of those four. And then you throw in Pringle as a lot, of threat as well, obviously, too. But um, as great as he is, his offensive threat is not the same as Grant Nelson's. So it's just such a rotating door of teams have such a hard time guarding. Whatever everybody's on. So whenever Grant Nelson is able to be elite, I, this team can be very, very, very special. Uh, and even then, like, this team seems pretty great, right? Like the, the tough three-game stretch held, held their own in it. Six-game win streak, top of the conference right now. Like, I, I don't know what more you could ask for so far.
1: Yeah. Another player I wanted to bring up, and Matthew mentioned him already, was Mohamed Diabate. And I think he, he's he been a revelation of sorts for this team that he – like Alabama has needed a, a guy that's able to do a lot of the dirty work for like little small stretches, and that's exactly what he does. I, the last two games, the first time Alabama's given up an offensive rebound in the first half, Nate Oates has put him in. The, like both games, I've watched him walk down the bench and like – physically drag him to the scorer's table for him to uh, to put him in because he knows that he's going to go get rebounds. He reminds me a lot of Herb Jones when he was a freshman in that Herb would just come in and make things happen, but he did it in really small sample sizes. Like Herb came off the bench and he would play defense, he would get a steal here and there, he would get a block, he would grab a bunch of rebounds, and then he'd be done. Honestly, that's what Herb did uh, when he his junior year when he had the cast on his hand. He would just come in and, and like do the blue collar stuff, uh, and then leave. And, and that's what Diabate does in his small stretches. And it's honestly just like a breath of fresh air to have a guy that can do that. That can come off the bench and be just like a a small spark plug to be able to do that for a couple minutes. Um, and and he's done great. The past I think it's three games that he's gotten I, I don't want to say significant playing time because he hasn't broken more than like he's played like seven minutes in all of these games, but against South Carolina, six rebounds a block of steal, three points against Mississippi State, three rebounds. I think all of them were offensive. Against Missouri, two rebounds and assists a steal. Like he just comes in and does things, and that's the kind like that kind of player is really invaluable when it comes to the makeup of a team and having role players that know how to do their job. Like he's a guy that's going to come in, do his job well. He reminds me a lot of Auburn's Chris Moore. He, that's the exact kind of player um, that he – he's a glue guy. He As Mo gets older, he's going to become an even better defender. Um, he'll probably be one of the best defenders on the team by his junior year, to be completely honest, just because of – Uh, how strong he is, the way he already has a knack for playing on the defensive end, how good of a rebounder he is. And he's undersized, too, and that that just doesn't matter. He just goes up and gets it. He wants the ball more than everybody else on the floor. Uh, And just having a player like that is incredibly valuable.
0: Yeah, he's he's fantastic. I mean, the, the effort that you see immediately when he comes in, like those seven minutes probably plays the hardest of anybody on the floor when he's on for however long he's on. Uh, and he's just, it he just gives effort and does the dirty work. Like you're saying, Blake, like he's every time there's a loose shot, like I, I know Mo's going to get in the mix and at least go up for it. Uh, probably come down with it half the time too. He's so strong for being undersized. It's kind of crazy. Like it's, uh, it's just very impressive what he does and, you know, and he can get, get a few points here or there too. He had some good minutes. Uh, I think a, a bucket and some free throws or attempted free throws Saturday against Mississippi state. Um, uh, Got a got a nice lay last night. It's just uh, it's so nice having him come in. Like we're at, I think probably not minutes wise, but theoretical role wise, like where Dom Welch would come in last year and knock down a singular three and walk back to the bench. Uh, Diabate comes in, gets gets boards, contributes well on defense, uh, and helps move the ball and just kind of draw some gravity offensively. So it's it's an interesting role and kind of I think more needed this year than another guy to make a singular three is another guy to get those offensive rebounds, um, yeah. get boards, help close out possessions, things like that. He's doing it. And I, I think that's, it's pretty invaluable to have. I mean, he's if through the possessions he has, Evan Mia hasn't as our second best defender. Oh my god so, Only to Sam Walters, which is.
1: Well, are we <laughs> yeah, <hitting her? laughs>
0: yeah, I, I guess just quantity wise, possession wise. Uh, yeah,
1: I He needs to run his numbers again
0: well i, I think it's just possession size wise is why why sam's up there um but yeah I, so mo's been valuable regardless
2: yeah no i i completely agree and i think this uh in general speaks to the general cohesiveness of this team is the fact that how much they those guys love mo we saw uh mm-hmm. the south carolina game when they're giving out the hard hat we had that video of nick, uh, nick pringle winning it immediately throwing it on mo's head and everybody just storming Mo with um, patting him on the head and um, giving his, his applause there. And um, I, I think that's the, one of the more impressive things about this particular Alabama team too, is you can see how much those guys care for each other on the court um, and how much they fight for each other. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty unreal. I mean, that like any sort of like altercation that happens in a game immediately they're there together. Uh, Oates defends them like hell. Uh, we saw that last night versus missouri we uh, did the see that last night. The no call on the technical with him uh, shoving aiden uh, shaw out of the way these guys fight for each other the culture of this team is about as strong as we've ever seen uh, within NATO, It's alabama coach team um and i think that's one of the more impressive things about it is this this group together is so cohesive and they fight for each other and they care about each other and you can see that so clearly on the court
1: I think another player that kind of embodies that, that I wanted to talk about was Latrell Wrightson. and I know Jacob mentioned him earlier, but he's, when you think about him, he's a fourth year, like he's a senior. Um, he's got another year of eligibility, but he is a senior. Uh, came over from uh, Cal State Fullerton, averaged like 16 a game last year. Like he was the guy on that team. And he's come over to Alabama and embraced a sixth man role where he doesn't start, he comes off the bench, he gives good minutes, um, but he also is a guy who plays scrappy. He, I see him somehow dive in for like a jump ball behind the play, like the past three games. He just makes it happen. Um, and he, he's a great shooter, he's a good offensive player, but he's somebody who has embraced a lesser role and a guy who seems like he loves seeing his teammates succeed and just doing what he can to help the team. I think he's another perfect example of that uh, kind of team first selfless attitude that you're talking about, Matthew, with the whole team and how they kind of all love each other. Um, right. soul is a perfect example of that. And also just the fact that you have a veteran experienced guard as your sixth man coming off the, uh, off the bench, like that is incredibly valuable to a team because uh, he doesn't turn the ball over. He takes care of the ball. He can score it. He can shoot it. He can, do a lot, and I think Oates was talking last night in the press conference about how he thinks Alabama has one of the deepest backcourts in the country, and I I agree with that because Reitzel honestly could be starting at a lot of power six programs in the country.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's averaging like around thirteen and a half in conference play so far. Uh, just pure points wise, like he he gives effort defensively. On that end, it's just it's so incredible that he can come off the bench just that quickly and have such depth uh, in the backcourt once again. I, I think everybody at first was kind of may, maybe hesitant on taking a, a transfer from like because Cal State Fullerton is like definitely a level or two below like Ohio where Mark Sears came from, conference wise. Yeah, the like Big I, West
1: like, is definitely lower than like the MAC. Like,
0: like the the MAC yeah. is liable to get another like two or three teams in. The tournament at some years the, the big west is not right so yeah how latrell has been able to translate so well after kind of not an awesome start for him um it just speaks to speaks to how the team has believed in him and trusted him and the staff has trusted him i mean the the vibes with this team are so good like i i truly mean it like everybody is so excited for each other um as you talked about through there like seeing everybody celebrate Saturday after the Mississippi State win all together. Like these, these guys truly love and care for each other in a way that I I think like we probably like, even with last year, I think there were some kind of notable players on the fringes, maybe a little bit more. So, Um, even though like great culture and everything through last year, but this year definitely has such cohesiveness to it uh, where everybody leans on each other and needs each other. And we've seen that. And I think LaCharles is just such a great, Great example of that. And, I mean, two, like, he's really the third guard right now uh, as far as pure guards, Try right? That's more of a wing. And he was okay with being the fourth guard when Javon Quinterly was still going to be. Here. That's
1: right. He did commit when JQ was still supposed to be on this team. That's crazy.
0: It's, I didn't even think about that. And he's that good. Like, it's yeah, it's amazing. Like, where I, I think maybe somebody like Keon Menafield, which he, he's been decently solid since he's started playing again after the waiver. Um, but – Certainly would rather have Reitzel over him. And I think maybe some people are hesitant and thinking Reitzel might just be a burst of speed uh, that can kind of shift things up when he comes in. But he's, like, certainly more than that, way more than that. Uh, and helped win the game for Alabama Saturday in Starkville. Uh, he's just, liable to come in and bang a few threes. I mean, he had three last night as well. He's just so, so solid uh, and guards really well and fights hard balls all over the floor like I I think he his floor dives like he might close to lead the team in floor dives he is he
1: has to lead the team in floor dives he's on the floor like three times a game
0: yeah well and he had that stretch Saturday where he had like two steals back to back um and I don't think it ended up I think like a a layup got smoked and then uh he got one
1: steal in the backcourt and the three like rolled in and out yes
0: Yeah. yeah and it was like man like if it, just the effort there. like the, the process to get there is so repeatable. Um, he just pesters guards, the other team's guards. Um, I, I love Latrell. He's just such a such a happy guy on the bench and uh, so positive for everybody. His, his grandmother is so sweet. She, uh, at some of the road games, just getting to talk to her and she's up That's and awesome. always yelling every time the other team goes to shoot a free throw. Um, he's such a great addition um, to have at Alabama and been so great for the team this year.
1: He's scored double digits in four of his last five games. Um, And that also makes three of four SEC games that he's scored double figures in. So he's affecting the game in a whole lot of ways and has been very valuable to this team. As we keep looking at this team and we kind of look towards the future, Alabama started 4-0. They sit at the top of the SEC currently – I imagine Auburn's going to win, and uh, they're also going to be 4-0 because they're playing Vanderbilt. Um, but you look at the, f- the the next couple games. You've got a road game against Tennessee, and then you've got Auburn coming to Coleman, um, possibly the two best teams in the league, uh, back-to-back games. What are we thinking about them? How, how do you all think uh, these next two games are going to go? Um, and, yeah, what are your expectations?
0: Yeah, I'm... You got it, Matthew. Oh, you're, you're on mute.
1: You're muted. There we go. <laughs> nice. I,
2: yeah, I I fully anticipate the Tennessee game being a hard-fought battle up there in Knoxville. Um, but, look, Tennessee's really good. <laughs> They're... Oh, their, their offense at times can be really filthy. I really love Dalton Connect. He's fantastic. Um, Did y'all see how many the,
1: points he had last night?
2: He had, what, like 35? 39. Like that.
1: 39. His last – sorry, I'll let you – I didn't mean to. No, you're good. Um. His last three games, 28, 36, 39. Continue. That's all.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's – what more, can you say? Dalton connects, fantastic. He's going to be right up there with, even with Mark Sears, honestly, with uh, guys who can be SEC Player of the Year candidates. Um, Tennessee's really good. That's going to be such a fun game up there, Knoxville. And you come in with Auburn coming to town. I think it's a very a, a game that Alabama should win. Honestly, I, I think they match up really well with Auburn, mm-hmm. um, particularly like with the the, the backcourt. Um, I, I just think they match them with size. Guards are better. Uh, you're at home. The crowd is going to be insane I, I think that's that's a game that alabama should win and i think there's a good chance that alabama could go out of there two and there's a good chance that they could go one and one i think they get one of the two um but it, Bama's is clicking at, at the moment they're one of the hottest teams not just in the sec but in the country right now and i, I think uh, they're very capable of going up there into knoxville and, and knocking off tennessee
0: I, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's very possible. Uh, as I know, Tennessee won by like about twenty last night to Florida. Um, well, I, I have, I like Florida a lot. I like the idea of what Todd Gold is doing, but they're still. I
1: like the idea of Florida.
0: Yeah, they're, they're still a few steps away, and it's it's the defense. <laughs> I mean, it's like th- that's that's where it's lacking, right? Like their offense yeah. is going to be crazy efficient. They're going to bomb threes, but uh, that's it's the defense. So seeing. Tennessee beat Florida um, once again you know, after after the three game stretch where we played Purdue, Creighton, Arizona, and they all lost the game before. Alabama had to play them. Um, anytime we're about to play another opponent, I always like to see them win because that's just I, I don't we don't need that, right? So seeing a twenty point win convincingly, um, you'd much rather have that than a loss to Florida last night at home. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic going into Saturday. I mean it's. With the way that games get refereed up there, not to, not to make it about the rush, but like guys, the, the games are called differently in Knoxville. Like they just are. Um, the, the way that Tennessee gets away with defending, we saw it last year. We saw it two years ago, and somehow still beat them there. Sorry, three years ago now. Wow. Um, wow. Like yeah. <laughs> like
1: what was twenty twenty one? Yeah. The- Yep, I think Tennessee was like top ten, and that was bef- that was like the game that started a big win streak.
0: Yep, ten in a row yeah, after that. That's right. So I like it's just how the game's gonna get called, right? I, I think this team's ready for that. Uh, I think this team's able to compete with that. I think Tennessee's got some some solid height. Um, that it's gonna be. You're gonna have to handle it, right? Like you're gonna have to go in there. Um, and hold your own defensively. They don't have the most efficient offense in the world, really at all. Uh, but they are gonna, like, they're gonna get there, right? Like they, um, they're a solid team. It's going to be a absolute battle in uh, Knoxville. I'm optimistic about a win. I mean, I, I think we'll be six to seven point underdogs, if I had to guess. Uh, which it feels fair, just because of the way that home court advantage works there, right? Uh, but I mean, if you somehow come away with that. And then you're 5-0, oh, seven-game win streak. I mean, that would be huge, right? Like, you're two games up on Tennessee. You can go beat Auburn and get the game ahead of them. Like, that would be absolutely massive. I mean, that would completely change uh, the national outlook on this team. Not that that matters because they're not paying attention, right? Uh, but that would completely change kind of the, the general view if everybody hasn't woken up to tied hoops already that would happen and then you go uh next wednesday and which i think the crowd will be incredible for the eyeball. yeah i mean it, it was yeah. great obviously with students extra students being able to be let in last night i think we had somewhere in the the, the lower three thousands of students which is the most students in a game obviously probably since the snow day in the 80s or whenever it was um but you have a lot of students coming in i, I think just with the the changes in the fan base, probably going to have Coach DeBoer there again, which would keep the the old Tide Pride members from from selling those tickets.
1: Uh, they want to see Coach.
0: They want to see Coach. <laughs> hey, what, whatever works, right? Whatever works and gets people there and um, keeps them in. So I I feel I feel pretty good about the eyeball next week. I mean Auburn's a very very good team. Uh, they their non conference strength of schedule ended up really not being what. They thought it was going to be a loss to App State on the road. Like a fine loss. Like clearly they've worked beyond that. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a solid team going into Bud Walton arena and winning by 30 is pretty, pretty nuts. So the eyeball is it's going to be war, Uh, but I'm optimistic. I mean, like you said, Matthew, I, I think Alabama's guards are a level above Auburn's guards, like Trey Donaldson and Holloway are pretty solid. Like I think they're better than your average bear, but Alabama's guards, probably have the best backcourt in the SEC, pretty pretty easily I think.
1: Maybe uh, maybe the
0: country. Yeah, may, maybe the country maybe, as well. Maybe right? the country. Like as far as depth and scoring impact. So I, I think that's a game. I think mean, it's a game you have to win next Wednesday. Uh, I, like not for your season to stay on the tracks or anything like that, but if you want to. Try and go back-to-back regular season titles, which I think is very much in play. Yeah, like the SEC is still pretty open, uh, and Alabama and Auburn at the top right now. So yep. that that's a game that would be massive, massive, massive to win. Uh, and I, I think it's I think it's pretty feasible. I think it can happen one hundred percent. So two and zero is not. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question. Obviously, going to Knoxville is tough, but I am I don't think there's a a better time if you're an Alabama fan that you would want to be playing these next two teams than off of this streak that you're on right now.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that Tennessee – you mentioned the, like, officiating up there. Like, they let them play physical up there. It is a physical game. But I think, if anything, I'm a little more encouraged about the way this team has handled that the past couple weeks or games or whatever you want to call it. last couple games, moving into – this game, I think they're much more prepared, maybe than they have been in some of these other, uh, especially last season. About like when they when they went into Knoxville, I think they were riding high on a bunch of blowouts and hadn't really dealt with a lot of physical close games going into Knoxville last season. Um, so I think they're prepared. Uh, I think Dalton Connect is a problem, and if they didn't have Dalton Connect, I would actually feel pretty confident about Alabama winning because their offense outside of Connect is – what's the word for it? Questionable? Ne- what would you they're say? They're nevish. Yes. They're, they're
0: nevish. They're...
1: So Connect averages 18.5. Jonas Adu averages 11.5. I didn't even know he averaged that much. I think he's fine, but I don't think he's someone that like Waggy can't handle or Nelson yeah. for that matter um Ziegler 10 Josiah Jordan James 10 a game best Vescovy's only scoring seven a game this year after back-to-back first team all SEC years um so that's a little interesting but like they've got guys but I like Alabama's like I, as far as personnel I think the teams match up decently well the question is who's going to guard connect I think it's Rylan Griffin to start and I think if he can't Diabate. I think you you give him a run at it because he's more physical than Rylan is. Um and while I think Rylan's a good defender, connect is 6-6. So he's big. So you can't put like Trelly on him or anything like that. I think you go with a bigger body like Diabate and, and see what he can do. Um if alima can limit connect and handle some of the physicality, they have a good chance of winning or this team's offense is stupid and they could just like bomb threes like they did three years ago um, and, and come away with a win that way. Um, there There is a path to victory at Knoxville this weekend. I'm not counting on it necessarily. I think Tennessee probably wins a hard-fought close game just because of how hard it is to play up there. It's a Saturday. It's going to be packed with like 16 18 000 people however many that giant building holds um so it's going to be hard um and it's really hard to win up there i think 2021 is the only time alabama's won up there in seemingly a decade something like that right and that was against no crowd too it was against a COVID crowd um that that's a place that alabama really really struggles to win um and rightfully so, they're they're a good team, and they have a great crowd up there. And so I'm not counting. I'm not. I don't. I'm not picking Alabama to win the game. But I think with the way that they've handled physicality lately, if Mark Sears is healthy enough to be himself, Alabama has a chance.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I also completely agree. I, I think a lot of it is going to come down to those to those guard matchups. Um, and we've talked about it. This it's Knoxville. This is this would be the game that Vescovy would pop off for 15 20 points. Um, it, it's going to be really dependent on how Mark Sears is able to guard maybe Zakai Ziegler or how Aaron Estrada is able to guard, um, gosh, uh, either uh, Vescovy or whoever, it, whoever it may be. I just, I they've got to strap in on the, the defensive end there, and I think, um, Tennessee is really efficient on offense, and like you mentioned, and um, it's all going to be about connect. You've got to be able to key in on connect and make other guys like Josiah Jordan James uh, beat you there on offense. And if you can do that, you're going to have a great chance to win that game because I fully anticipate Alabama's offense, um, you know, to, to come in uh, clicking as they have been. And, uh, on a, again, on the difference, Alabama's playing at a very high level, and I don't see that just suddenly stopping uh, just because they take a road trip to Knoxville. Again, you do have to factor in some of the refs and things like that. In it. But it's always a physical game there. And if, if it's going to be a physical game, that's going to be a day where Diobate and uh, guys like uh, Stevenson or Pringle can be a little more uh, aggressive in how they defend guys. And that bodes Alabama's strengths a little bit. And if you can do that, I, I think Bama's got a great chance to come in and, and knock off Tennessee on the road. And if you can knock off Tennessee and knock off Auburn, you're right there back in the national picture with the top 15 ranking like so easily. Um, and Alabama, I, I do think they enjoy having that underdog role, but uh, at this point you've established yourself as the premier team in the SEC outside of maybe Kentucky the last couple of years. And even then you're winning the SEC at this level. Bama is the team to beat in the SEC right now. I I think getting back into that, that status of, okay, we're Alabama. We're going to kick your butt kind of thing. is going to be a, a a big encouragement for that team and I, I think with a win versus Tennessee would really just lock in Alabama as okay, this is a top three team in SEC right now. And I think um Bama's liable to really go on a tear here in SEC play if they can knock off Tennessee.
1: Yeah, if Alabama wins these next two games, they're like undoubtedly the team to beat in the conference, the favorite to win the conference, all of that. Um Ken Palm projects eight a- 3 point Tennessee win um gives Alabama a 37% chance at victory. Uh really quick before we wrap up, let's get everybody's picks for the game. I am picking Tennessee in a close one. Um but let's go to uh Matthew, let's go back to you.
2: Yeah, I'll give Alabama the upset. I'll go uh wow. 82 to 74. Nice. 82
1: Eight point win. that, uh, that, that, makes that money would be funny on That alternate woo. spread. Like Damn. my goodness. <laughs> Jacob, you. are gonna pick I'm, Alabama, aren't
0: you? Um no, I'm I'm not gonna lie, Knoxville has scarred me the last, last year. So I <laughs> I I think I think it's like a seven point loss for Alabama. Probably like a three point game with under with about a minute thirty left, go down. Um, a three goes all the way around the rim and bounces out. Tennessee picks it up, fouls, free throws. <laughs> there we go. I like Oddly
1: specific.
0: Yeah, I, I've seen this before. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think probably lose Saturday, but I think that makes next Wednesday an even bigger, more likely win against Auburn.
1: All right, there are picks. I think we're going to be back with another episode after – Tennessee uh to preview the IBOB, which is uh one of the best rivalries in college basketball. And we will get more into that in the next episode and talk about whatever it is that we end up seeing from this Tennessee game. Uh anything else you want to add before we wrap it up?
0: Uh, oh minor fun stat nugget. Uh of the of the guys averaging above uh sixteen a game. We'll say above 17 a game. Everyone but Wade Taylor is shooting above 36%. Wade Taylor is shooting twenty-eight percent from the field and averaging nineteen and a half points a game. That is well, he that shot is absurd two shots right? last night. Yeah, that is absurd shot chucking. Like wow. You gotta respect that. You, got- <laughs> you gotta respect,
1: you gotta respect that.
0: That's real hoop. I mean that is that is real hoop. <laughs>
1: yeah that that's something else um but that after that fun stat nugget that's going to wrap up um uh, our episode today um once again we'll be back early next week is the plan um but thank you all for watching and we'll uh, catch you guys in the next one